Hey, this is Dan from Dan and Dre. Really hoping you can join us for the podcast today, which is going to be about uh, pivoting during the time of the pandemic, how we've done that and how we've come out better people on the other end of it. Yeah, I'm excited for you guys to really listen to this episode, hoping in a way that you will take away tools that will help you continue to learn how to pivot and to be agile in a time of uncertainty, because we're always going to be facing it. Change is always happening. And we really dive into how we were able to continue to move through the current time that we're in with all the setbacks and all the disruptions, but really coming out in a place where we feel good about sharing our way through it all. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our podcast, Head to Heart with Dan Andrea. So our podcast is going to be a series of conversational interviews to begin what's really a lifelong discovery on an accumulation of data-driven and life-lived wisdom on how to live the best life for you, but not only you, but those around you, in your profession, in your community, to help you achieve your long-term goals and longevity. Yes. And please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review share with your friends and enjoy. Welcome. Welcome to this episode of Head to Heart with Dan and Dre. And today we're going to be diving into the topic of how to adapt and pivot through uncertainty. A lot of us are definitely facing a lot of uncertainty. And the one thing that I have found true through this pandemic is that change is constant. And for me, it feels more rapid than ever. And I feel like this podcast is going to be a great way for us to share from the industries that we're both from, how we've been able to really continue to move through the changes, through the uncertainty, through the fear, through all the emotions that we've been feeling facing the unknown. Yeah, I know. I think this is a great segue from our, our, our first couple of episodes. And, and this really hits at the, the, the heart of what we're talking about, right? And that is... How do you take some some difficult scenarios and then turn them to your advantage? And, uh, and we talked about this in our last episode with Lynn. You know, um, sometimes you just have to wait till the till the muddy water clears, so to speak, to sort of gain that clarity. And sometimes you don't know the answers, and you just have to attack these these challenges, big challenges, little challenges, but attack each day, knowing you may not know the answer for some time. And so, um, so today we thought we would talk about uh, just how we've done this. You mm-hmm. know, um, we've we've had challenges in, in owning a business where business couldn't go, where hospitals were essentially shut down, where people weren't getting surgeries, where folks were getting sicker mentally, they were getting sicker physically. And while doing that, we also had to be parents and wives and daughters and sons and. And, and how did we do that? And have we learned any tricks along the way that can help people? Um, and so we're going to explore those topics today. And we're really excited about this third episode. Yeah. You know, as you were sharing uh, just just your thoughts going into this episode, the one thing that I started to think about was compound interest, which may sound funny. However, I really started to reflect and look back and see, you know, the choices that I had been making leading up to the pandemic and some of the hardest changes that I've ever had come my way, it really was this this compound interest of the choices of making sure that I was taking care of myself. You know, as we go into these spaces and places, you as a cardiologist and having your patients that they need to make sure that they can look up to you and and that you're going to find your way to be able to 
do the services that they need, the surgeries that they need, you know, in my realm, having a team, being a leader and having them, you know, looking at me for direction. And there is some sense of not knowing what what's going to happen and and really having to just find your way through experimenting through and having faith. And then there's also this this part that I'm starting to realize that, you know, the choices that I made had a cause and effect in my uncertainty, being able to have a ritual of journaling and ritual of meditating to continue to find inner peace. So as there was so much noise around me and so much emotions coming into my into my energy field, I had a way to really get still at times when those things weren't going on around me. And that's something I really want to be able to dive into today and share with people as far as this is not going to be the only hard time we go through. Uncertainty is a part of life. Challenges are part of life. There are life lessons. And so if we can start to share what it was that we were able to do to, to have the energy and to have the courage to move through the days that were the scariest. Mm -hmm. You know, I always like to think to put hope into our listeners' hearts is we've all made it through 100% of our worst days. If you're here listening and we're here sharing, we are all resilience. We're creatures of resiliency. And now it's time to start to put awareness and heighten awareness around what are the things that we can continue to do today? What can we learn from through this current past year that we know as those curveballs keep getting thrown at us, that we're ready for them, that we're going to be able to move through them. And what are those life skills, life's homework is what I call it, mm -hmm. that we can start to invest more of our time in to be stronger, to be better, whether life is going really great and you're in this flow or when life feels really bumpy and you're, you're honestly not knowing which direction to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, you sound amazingly upbeat for someone who who owns a business and was out of business for two or three months. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, I, I think that's a testament to you. And you know, um, you know, as we sort of dive into this topic a little bit more today, you think political ideology aside, this has been a really challenging year. This mm -hmm. has been a really challenging couple of years. And if you just hearken back and and say. Oh, goodness. In the last one year, we've had the first global pandemic, really, since 1918, over 100 years. In that same time, we've had lockdowns, we've had, you know, massive interruptions to daily life, and we've come up with a vaccine. Wow, yeah. We've had capital riots. People are literally attacking the United States Capitol. We've had these, these really powerful movements of Black Lives Matter and, and, and the hashtag Me Too movement and, and this real awakening, right? And so, so as I'm listening to you talk, um, I, so what was, what was the most positive change or opportunity that you think you've come about over the last year? And you have this, this is unique perspective from an executive coach, but also talking to people in your business as an employer, but also talking to people on a pretty chill level, you know, being their stylist and from behind the chair, behind the chair. Right. And so we yeah. always know about this barbershop talk. And so you have this really great expansive, um, uh, 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 menu of, of what people have told you. So what over the course of the year, what were some of the biggest highlights that that people um, uh, are making into positive changes from the pandemic from yeah. them or from you? What do you think? 
Well, there's two ways I want to answer that question. One of the things that the most positive things that I've learned coming through the pandemic is I truly believe that to be future proof, you have to have agility. You have to be able to be able to adapt. Mm -hmm. And, and I want the listeners to really hear that. Like I really believe as, as leaders, which I am, I, I think the only way that you're going to be able to be a really great leader is you have, and to be future proof is you have to have the ability to adapt mm -hmm. and have agility. And so I learned that. And I learned that because that was the success that, that was shown to me as I was able to pivot through the moment that I found out that we were going to possibly have to shut down. You know, I have a great support system around me. And that's another lesson is make sure that you have a tight circle of great people around you because life is going to continue to happen. And as it happens in great ways and it happens in hard ways, it's so important to have a great circle of people around you. And so I learned that as well. And something I want to share, though, to continue to, to dive deeper into your question and to hopefully help people maybe have a mind shift around just the way to look at things when things get hard. You know, I remember that that day in the salon and, and my team coming up and and some deciding that and we gave them the option if you don't feel safe right now because no one knows what's going on on we'll support you in, in staying home right now and we also had team members that wanted to continue to work you know they have they have families and they have bills that need to be paid and as service providers that's how we make money so having you know to listen to both of those 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 different places they were coming from you know levi and i at the end of it had to start to decide like what is the safest for the team you know, knowing that they do have bills to pay, but also that are they in danger? Mm -hmm. And and as I sat there and thought about, okay, well, what would happen if we stayed open? You know, would it disrupt our culture? And I started to think, absolutely, it could create silo effects. I, I know some businesses might know that, but, you know, having a culture and then having people start to kind of do their, their own thing and develop mm -hmm. these subcultures, um, would that happen? And that could, could that disrupt our culture in a negative way? And then also starting to think about, well, what do we do if we do shut down? What if we make that decision before someone forces us to, which we did that night? And the one thing that I thought about is what can we continue to do that this pandemic cannot take away from us if our team stays healthy? Mm -hmm. And it's it was very clear to me, you know, I, I'm authoring a book right now about the the power of a daily huddle. And as a as a, a leader and a part of this team, we do huddles every day and a huddle is more than just, you know, gathering information and co-creating a vision. It's a about really bringing everyone together and building relationships and building unity and building trust. And I knew right then that's where I pivot is, look, I've been doing a lot of coaching and a lot of webinars and presentations over the Zoom platform before the pandemic. So I had that in, in my tool belt to say I knew how to use that. So I knew I could share with that with my team. And I knew we had to meet every single morning, the same time that we did huddles, because that would keep their routine in place. It would keep them waking up with purpose and it would keep them strong and it would keep our voices together because when your voice is lost, the connection is lost. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned that. I learned that because at the end of this, this shutdown, our team of 25 members came back. We didn't lose a team member. And I was able to help work with their minds and help them continue to have hope and also a place that they could 
talk about how they were feeling. You know, there was so much that really happened and it made me realize like business is not just about numbers mm -hmm. and it's never been that way for me, but really it's, it's about taking care of your people. And I learned that through, through this. So there's been so many beautiful gems and so many great life lessons going through something that was disruptive for the whole world. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to add one more thing, not to go on too long here, but you know, I think it's important for people to also, you know, pay attention to some of those callings or nudges that you have in life. And you're, you're going for something and you're kind of like, I don't know why I'm going for this, but I'm going for it. And I had had a, a great year coming off of traveling through India and doing a lot of deep meditation practices. And I think that that also was, was this feeling of just knowing I've got the endurance. I've got the, the energy to really take on what I needed to take on to take care of, of my family. You know, I have a beautiful husband and, and a, a beautiful fur baby <laughs> and, you know, to take care of my team and, and other leaders that I was working with. So I hope that answered your question. Yeah. So I think, you know, um, it's, it's a great answer. Um, and I think you went through what a lot of folks are going through that I I've gone through and you sort of analyze what's happening and what you can do. And, and so just to summarize, it sounds like maybe adaptability mm -hmm. and, and agility have been, uh, two aspects that have really allowed you to to thrive through this you know pretty pretty difficult time um so then do you think after all this you've done this you know you guys huddled and and you made it through a pandemic and and you grew a business and you grew another business and you're starting something else and so as you're trampolining into this year and and i intentionally use the word trampolining because i'm hoping that we can all improve and um so do you think that um, people are able to really make uh, positive changes based on all these awful things that have happened in this past year? Uh, and do you think that it's it's tangible and achievable from all aspects, from people that have two minutes a day to people that have, you know, endless amounts of time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely do. I think that. There's always disruption, mm -hmm. right? And and when things are being disruptive and when things are are being taken away, new things are on their way, right? There's a rebirthing process when when things die off or when things get get really hard. There's innovation that shows up in those mm -hmm. places. You know, people really have to dig their heels in and and start to think differently. And that's something I also noticed in people that I was working with is no longer did their old pattern of thinking serve them anymore. Mm -hmm. So they had to start to really ask what we would talk about. And we're going to continue to talk about better questions because the results that they were getting, those were not the results they needed at this time. And even right now, I think in, in today's day is it's the things we used to do and those routines we used to have, they can't be the same because of how how fast things are changing. Right. And I'm curious with you, Dan, as we um, are exploring this and you think about your world and you think about the, the amount of stress that showed up, I can't imagine, like you said, hospitals closing down. Here you have a, a relationship with your patients and you know them. And then all of a sudden, the thing you know they need to continue to live, you're not able to give them because of what's happening around you. So help us understand like, you know, you're in a different place where it was also really hard. And 
do you think it's possible to maintain positivity and growth and, and a way of thinking differently to move through these challenging times? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, of course, absolutely. Right. And, and, and I think that it, it's probably imperative that, that we do that. And, you know, we know that change is the only constant in life and we've talked about this and, uh, we know, like you said, that, that we're going to face these really daunting times that really question what we're doing or how we're doing it. And uh, honestly, I feel like they're a gift. I mean, it, that mm-hmm. may sound a little sort of too, too fluffing, but, Not at all. Um, but I think that really gets people out of, out of monotony. You know, Chaucer wrote a book um, in the middle ages called the Canterbury tells, and he talked about um, avarice being the greatest evil. And, you know, avarice, uh, the love of money or greed is certainly a great evil. There's no doubt about that. But but I feel like in my life, I've, I've come to adapt that to um, complacency. I feel like complacency is a great evil. And if, if you quit asking yourself questions on how to improve or why am I doing something like this, then I, I think you're missing a really good opportunity to um, to know yourself better, to to be a better fill in the blank, whatever that might be. And this whole year has given us that opportunity to, to really question, question your jobs, question your, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, question the things you're on autopilot. Um, and so it's been really challenging. Um, it, it's from a personal and a professional standpoint, you know, when as physicians, you know, as we pivot a little bit, but um, it was, it's going to continue to be challenging. We still have restrictions on surgeries we can do. We still have restrictions on seeing patients in clinic. We still don't know what case volumes are going to be like. Uh, we don't know how many people are going to get vaccines. We don't know when the pandemic is going to end. We don't know when herd immunity is going to come. And so, um, I think all of us from an administrative standpoint to, to a physician standpoint, to, to nursing and, and to everyone in between, we're still struggling with that. And it is, it's, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, it is sort of a brave new world in, in healthcare. Um, but we have had a lot of really good, you know, aspects and changes that have come from this. You know, you think about, um, you know, you think about just a Zoom meeting, you mentioned Zoom. And so now you can see your doctor over the phone and you can be anywhere, you know, for the yeah. most part, you can be out of the country and still chat with your doctor. And I think um, there was a lot of, perceived obstacles to something like that beforehand um, and suddenly they were overcome right um, and that was a really beautiful uh, um, uh, example of of positive things that I think can come from this and you know I think just from a, a, a scheduling perspective and an access perspective that's a nice example but if you think think about it and dig deep personally when you really were in a lockdown, you know, those, those months we were in lockdowns and you really got to examine yourself and talk to yourself and, and, and have good questions with your wife and husband and, and kids and family members. And you really get insight into the monotony of what you're doing and, and, and priorities tend to put themselves um, at the top of the list. Um, and in fact, you know, I'm going to go back on that a little bit. Um, it priority. You know, it's interesting to me that the word priority is singular. It was never meant to be a plural word. <laughs> and, and now all of a sudden you have all these planners and you have seven priorities in a day. And you're like, no, no, it's priority is the word. And that's what you need to focus on. And, and while that's difficult, I didn't do that all the time, of course. But, but it really highlighted, hey, 
focus on something and and do this and improve this. Um, and the slowdown helped me do that really. Um, well, and that's what I think I'm the most curious about as yeah. you're sharing is I'm like, what were those questions that you asked yourselves, yourself, I should say, not selves, you're only one person. Um, but what was that question that you asked yourself when you were in that lockdown, you know, when you said that you were, you know, forced to kind of stay in and be with your wife? Can you share some of the things that I wasn't forced? I wanted to be yeah. there with my wife. Let's make that very well. That done. is very well said, my friend. <laughs> but you know, I think just to kind of get in a little bit to to your inner self and your inner thinking, I am I'm curious as the profession that you're in, you know, so many people. In fact, it was funny. There was this gal that came in the salon. I think I shared this with you, and you'd come in in your scrubs and after you left, she was like, was that a real doctor? <laughs> and the stylist was like, yes. And she's like, I've never seen one before, <laughs> so you know? Funny. And it's like, people really have, have this, this, it's almost like, like awestruck when they see doctors. And then when they, she found mm -hmm. out that you were a cardiologist, I mean, it was like, she'd just seen someone famous. And, and I love that because I, I have so much respect for, for doctors and, and anybody in the medical field. So I do love that. And I love to see that, but I, I'm always curious as, you know, you think about the stresses that that you walk into each day with. I mean, you're handling someone's life. You're working with someone's heart. And now you have all these things happening around you that you can't control that is, you know, forced with some of the things that you said politically or the pandemic. And what were some of those questions you asked yourself? Like, have you been able to stay grounded? And how have you stayed mm -hmm. really in this place to go in and do your best work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good question. And that's something that, that there's, there's not a, a simple answer. That's a lifetime work in progress, mm -hmm. right? And that's, um, I think that's a, a focus of our show. And so I, I, don't, I don't have a great answer. I know that um, I had many revelations throughout the course of the year, as you did. Can you share one? Yeah, you know, and I think one of them is this theme of sick care and healthcare. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we talked about a couple of podcasts ago about, you know, uh, healthcare represents 20% of the GDP, which is just this crazy, crazy number. Maybe right? share what the GB, GBT is. So the, the gross domestic product. So this mm -hmm. is the, this is what the country spends on, on particular goods and services in 20% of it is healthcare. And, and it's not sustainable. It, it's gonna, it has to hit ahead at some point. Uh, and I'll sort of let the economic folks, you know, I'm not an expert there, but but that's a fifth of the monies are being used in some aspect of healthcare. And so seeing this from from a physician standpoint, whether it's it's in the pandemic or outside the pandemic, knowing that the vast majority of of at least cardiovascular diagnoses are preventable. And knowing that many other diagnoses are largely preventable. It really struck me that at a time where you don't have access to healthcare because things are locked down and you don't want to go into the hospital and 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 you know all the things that came with a lockdown, we don't we really should take it upon ourselves to be as healthy as we can because there's there's community benefit, but there's personal benefit for that. Um, and a lot of people aren't going to just do this for you. Mm -hmm. And so you have to do some of these things on your own. Yeah. And when I had this realization that a lot of folks out there can heal themselves, I don't mean that to sound too big or, but, but it, on the heels of 
not having access for many people and then knowing that they, they could heal themselves. I think that was a really powerful juxtaposition. And so um, for me, I, it, it allowed me to deep dive more into wellness and mm. spirituality and how I can be the best and healthiest person, but also how I can tell that to other people, right? Yeah. It's a great thing when someone comes into the doctor's office and I get to tell them, there's nothing wrong. You're great. You're doing really well. Um, this is all normal. And, and the relief on their face is amazing. Or when they've lost 100 pounds and I get to say, guess what? Your sleep apnea went away or your AFib gone away. And they did it themselves without being put on a toxic poison or a toxic chemical or, or, or a toxic surgery. They did it. Wow. And we can do that. Mm -hmm. And we need to really shift our focus uh, into avenues like that. And so that, that was one of the, the, one of the aspects that really struck me is, is the, the ability to affect your health with no one else and do it yourself, right? You know, and I think this is really profound for me right now in this very moment because I'm thinking of the work that I love to do and how I, how I support, you know, people that I work with is all around, you know, let's find out what your aspirations are and help me understand what you're going for in life. Like, what do you want? And it's not that they know always right there on the spot, mm -hmm. but I start to plant the seed because it's in all of us. And I just think about, you know, in your profession and hearing some of those people that come in and they've, you know, lost a hundred pounds or they've, they've done the work to become healthier on their own. It's just interesting to see that, like, even back in my world, I feel like that's what I'm starting to help them prevent is, is having these long-term health problems. Because I really believe that when you are able to aspire, which I would say it's breathing hope into fear, you know, and we all have the ability to just start to ask ourselves and, and, and wonder around like, what do I want out of life and, and what's going to make my life meaningful. And as I went through the pandemic, I did that a lot. I did it a lot. And it was started with me doing the work first, because I truly believe you can't, you can't give what you don't have. So, you know, doing the work and realizing what was happening for me and then being able to, to move it into working with others you started to see something really beautiful take part where the focus became about them and not all the, the shit that was going on mm -hmm. around them. You know, they started to tune into something greater, which was themselves. They started to get curious about themselves versus the curiosity that they were placing in all the news that was happening, you know, and where to keep finding more news. And so we all have curiosity. It's just about understanding where to place it to better yourself. And um, I, I don't know if, if that made any sense at all. However, I just thought, you know, hearing you say and, and seeing people come in and, and being able to heal themselves, I just made this correlation that I believe it starts with a goal. It starts with, even before a goal, a dream. Mm -hmm. and, and then starting to just try something new. And in that one day of interrupting a pattern, the confidence starts to show up. And you start to realize you can do it. Mm -hmm. And that happened. That happened as a business owner. You know, I didn't know what a huddle with my 25 team members was going to be like or what it was going to be like bringing CEOs together and just having a safe space to share mm -hmm. and, and co-create strategies on how to move through. But the first time that I, I did it and I felt something that felt good, mm -hmm. it gave me more confidence and, and strengthened my curiosity on how do I grow this? Yeah. Like, this is what 
needs to be growing right now that we can control versus all the things that were happening around us that we couldn't control. And that's a big part of pivoting. I believe that's how you are able to adapt is you have to have a dream. You have to have a dream that is possibly your foundation in that moment. That's the start of building the foundation and being able to take better care of yourself. So then uh, I, you and I do this, I think, because we just do it naturally and we, and we have sort of asked these questions of ourselves a lot. But, but so, um, you know, for listeners out there who sort of don't really know what we're talking about mm-hmm. or how to get started in this um, or how to ask some of these questions that come more naturally to, to some folks. What's a good first question to ask yourself? You know, you're sitting here in the mm-hmm. pandemic and it's a year deep into it. And, you know, maybe there's some um, uh, some end in sight. Uh, what do you think is the first good question to say to yourself? Gosh, what am I paying attention to? Right. You know? and exactly. And so and it makes me think like this moment, this moment right now, live in the moment. Right. Yes. And this it's it's on the heels of my my favorite dalai lama quote and and he was asked by by a uh, by a reporter and he said you know this question was what surprises you most um about humanity and the dalai lama said man man general man like human being um because he sacrifices his health in order to make money then he sacrifices his money to recuperate his health and then he's so anxious about the future that he doesn't enjoy the present. The result being that he doesn't really live in the present or the future. And he lives as if he's never going to die and then dies having never really lived. And it's a wordy quote, but it really makes me think like this is, this is an exact microcosm of what's happening with people is that they're focusing on some, some other um, uh, external form of reward, whether it's money or something and sacrificing themselves and not realizing the harm they're doing to themselves and not actually living in this moment, not asking yourself the question after a year of pandemicness, after a year of, of, of all sorts of, of strife, what can I do in this moment right now? It's going to help me set the stage to live better, but enjoy the moment, right? Yeah. Like keep the main thing, the main thing. And, and living in the moment is, is a big deal. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's great advice. Yeah. You know, and I, I think there's so many ways to, to cultivate that, that knowledge and practice around living in the moment. Right. And as you were even asking me that question, and I think about, you know, it can sound so common sense, Mm -hmm. but the common practice of paying attention to what you're paying attention to it's not an easy thing. It's not. Right? right? It's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. Yes. Yeah. And so as you you think about it, it's it's like I start to to think on um I start to think on ways that that the listeners can do this and I recall back to the time when I was able to realize I had faith, right? And faith for for everyone I think can be something different, feel something different. I don't know if there's really a word to describe what faith truly is for people. I'm grateful we have a word, but it was reading a book. You know, I remember reading, I, I love Dr. Wayne Dyer and reading his, his teachings was the time where I started to realize 
where I could put my attention to do the work that was going to serve my highest self, right? And then looking back and even seeing the practices of of documenting my life through journaling, I didn't really understand why I was doing it. And as I go back and I, I look and I'm still a very big practicer in it now, and now it's all the neuroscience behind it. I mean, there's so much neuroscience behind why journal, journaling is so beneficial mm-hmm. to behavior, behavioral changes is, you know, you start to see what you're paying attention to because you can go back and read, you know, where your thoughts were. Yeah. And it's fascinating to see that the thoughts that you had today, 80% of them were the same thoughts you had yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the only way that we can interrupt them is if we see them in front of us. And that's what documenting your journaling does is it allows you to get what's happening in your head and put it in front of you. So you can actually see it and it becomes more tangible. There's more weight to it. And then you start to gain even more awareness around what you're paying attention to. And all these things that I'm, I'm sharing right now, they, they really cost next to nothing. You know, I mean, finding a book you're going to have to invest a little bit, but that's going to be the best investment you ever make in yourself, especially if you connect to the writer. But writing, I mean, really, any of us can do that. And then let's take it a step further into meditating or a mindfulness practice, whether it's body scanning or it's it's breath work, stretching, whatever it may be. You know, I think that word can turn a lot of people off, meditation or mindfulness. But I like to think of it as like the word sport. It houses so many different things. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. if I say I play sports, I could, it could be, it could mean a, a number of, of different things as to what I'm actually playing. And it's the same thing with meditating or mindfulness practice. So there's a variety and choose one because these are the things that are going to allow you to be able to adapt and pivot. Yeah. And, and as I'm, um, that's, that's beautifully said. Um, and as I'm sitting here listening to you and taking it in and thinking about, you know, steps that you and I have taken, um, it's, it seems to me that this is a really, uh, easy first step for anyone to take. And you're probably doing it right now. You're listening to the podcast on the plane or in the car or whatever it is. And, and, and now you're thinking about stuff. And so, You've actually made the first step already. Yes. You're being curious about yourself and you're asking yourself some of these questions. And um, even if it's small questions, like how do you change dinner preparation for a family in a pandemic? Or or how do you maximize these 10 minutes, you know, with your your kid before you go? Or but asking those questions and the fact that we're having this conversation now is a big, big first step that I think people can can follow. And um Sometimes that's all you need. You know, starting friction is always greater than sliding friction, right? And so you think about a large boulder. The hardest thing to do is get the thing moving. Once it's moving, it's sort of going, right? And so the same thing here. And so if you can get over that starting friction and you can ask yourself these questions and you can have that sort of personal insight as to, you know, on one hand, terrible tragedy. On the other hand, just like Winston Churchill said, you know, don't waste a good crisis, right? And so this is, it's a huge crisis, mm-hmm. um, multiple crises, one could say, and use it, yeah. use it somehow to your advantage. Don't take away from the terribleness of it, learn from it and improve, but but use this crisis for something good. And the fact that you're listening right now, the fact that you're thinking about how you can apply something is a really big first step. And so, so you think that maybe the next step for listeners would be journal. First thing you're going to do, think about the questions, ask yourself the questions, the next journal. You think that's a fair statement? I think, you know, the first thing that's going to happen is 
really become aware of your excuses and become stronger than your excuses. Ah, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Stronger than your excuses. Become, and honestly, one of my favorite sayings is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's not going to be ever comfortable making any type of change, especially mm -hmm. through hard times. And, and I do want to make sure that, you know, I always honor that I see what's happening in the world and I know it's hard for people. And I, I do have empathy and compassion. And I also want to share though, that the opportunity is always there. You just have to look for it. So whatever that's worth, it's like, you know, honor your journey. It's okay to, to look and say, things are tough right now. However, I also have an opportunity to look for greatness in, in this hardship and give yourself that permission too. you know, so often we give ourselves permission to, to feel lousy or feel, you know, uninspired. But what if we started to give ourselves permission to see the greatness in the hard times, right? One of my favorite thoughts and, and something I want to leave the listeners with is the story that you're telling yourself, you created it. And so you're also the creator of changing it. So change your story. And that might be your first step. Yeah. And uh, you know, that quote, it, it brings to mind several things that, that, uh, I have also heard recently. And, and I think it was another podcast, but, um, you know, one of them is the worst things I've ever told myself never happened. Mm. They were purely in my mind and I, and I made them up and I made up an entire scenario around them. Uh, and, and another along the same lines was don't believe everything you have convinced yourself of because oftentimes it's just not true. And I, I think there is truth there. And, and so um, I guess the message as, as we sort of wrap this up and bring that together is these are small steps and this is an opportunity and this year is an opportunity and not to take away from all the bad things that have happened, but to capitalize on what the, the actual improvement opportunities are, which I think, and I hope are, are many, um, this is a good time to be able to use that. And like Churchill said, you know, don't waste a good crisis. And for us personally, um, my hope is that folks can follow along as we piecemeal this journey together and just start asking yourself those questions. Um, and I've noticed in myself doing this over the last year that I really have become more in touch with asking myself the right questions and seeing improvements and being patient and not and knowing I don't have to have the answer right away. Um, and so I think your thought is beautiful and, and I can't wait to capitalize on this, this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the greatest weapons, time and patience, time and patience. So, you know, be kind to yourself and be compassionate with yourself and maybe make it a goal to become the love of your life. Maybe start there. Like the, like the seven-year-old said, mm -hmm. you gotta love yourself first. I love it. Right? Yes. And so we're going to wrap this up and we, we have to wrap it up with our common sense department, Dan. So. I'm going to let you share something that you've observed in your life that really, it just needed a little common sense behind it. You know, I, I think I'm really going to grow to love the common sense department. Um, I can't wait to go back and listen to all of our guests and their common sense suggestions. 
Uh, and so, so as we go in there, I, you know, I just want to let everyone know that, that some of these are going to be very serious. Some of them will be funny. Some of them will be just things I think, I think maybe I haven't thought it out well <laughs> enough and it's, I'm just like sharing it out in the, in the worldwide webs, you know? Um, but I think it'll be a brief one today. Um, but it is absolutely astonishing to me. <laughs> I love how serious you are right I now. I mean, it, it just befuddles any part of my brain. I cannot get over it. Befuddles. I love this word. How is it in a functional society that you can have uber billionaires, gazillionaires, pay zero in taxes, <laughs> yet you have people who make significantly less money paying 50% taxes? The entire tax code, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a CPA, I'm not any sort of business executive in any way, shape or form. But if you step back from a 10,000 foot view and you say, I don't know, but the guy making $50 million a year probably should be paying more in taxes than the guy making $50,000 a year. That seems pretty obvious. I think it needs to be corrected. I don't have the answer, but it seems like it would be easy I think we should put some efforts towards this. <laughs> Tax code should probably be no longer than a page. Just I'm supporting it. Sense, I am I, supporting I, your common sense, Dan. Listeners, thank you so much. Thank you guys so thank much. Thank you. And uh, we look forward to being back next time. Can't wait to be back next time. Please subscribe and check out Dan and Dre.